0: Support the podcast by buying a copy of this book, Mind of Mercosine, available on Amazon, Kobo, Barnes & Noble, and pretty much everywhere e-books are sold. You can also find it in paperback. Email me at podcast at ericedstrom.com and please leave a five-star review from wherever you get your podcasts. Chapter 19. Cacophony of Terror Don Marlow may have influence over Acolytes— but his orders to provide Kyla with a bath did not produce the steaming copper tub she had envisioned. Not that she relished the idea of bathing in the abbey. But when an acolyte brought in a small basin of tepid water, she couldn't help but feel slighted. The bread was good, however. She had eaten all of it within minutes, then scooped the remaining butter onto her finger and swallowed that too. The acolyte who brought in the tray had not noticed the orange cat slipping in behind him, Huff had slunk under the cot and wisely remained there until the acolyte departed. Kyla barely mastered her own astonishment at the sight of him. Nax didn't react at all. Of course, Nax had known Huff was coming and had failed to mention it to Kyla. She knelt and extended her hand, palm up. Huff approached with tentative steps, sniffing her fingertips, then accepting a scratch on the chin. Henley wants you to stay away from the old man, Nax sent, relaying Huff's words. He can get into your mind. Tell Henley I know that. I can keep him out. Henley says you are stubborn and will certainly die. A flush of heat, Nax's disapproval, accompanied this statement. Kyla was used to being called stubborn. She knew it wasn't intended as a compliment, but she chose to hear it as such. Tell Henley I came down two flights of stairs from the cathedral. I turned left and was taken into a room on the left. Henley says he's deeper beneath the cathedral. He thinks. But he's sure that he's on the same level as the old man. He says you should escape. The old man tortures the mind. Tell him I felt it. We all felt it. Henley says, In that case, you are even stupider than I thought. Kyla eyed Nax. Henley did not say that. She sat on the cot and patted it. Huff hopped up next to her and allowed her to stroke his body and tail. Nax nosed Huff, sniffed under his tail, then curled up in a ball. Huff is hungry. Kyla didn't have any food. She doubted the acolytes would bring her meat, even if she could ask them. She'd heard the lock mechanism scratch closed when the last one had left. Henley says the old man is in a tomb. There is a banded door at the end of a corridor which leads to the prison. Henley's cell is locked. Kyla didn't have father's lock-picking tools. They were with Wen, most likely. Ask him if the lock is metal. He doesn't know. Nax was getting impatient, relaying messages. The cat covered her eyes with a paw. Kyla busied herself with the tepid water and soap, cleaning her face and hands, then giving her feet a good scrub down. The water turned black. The lock on her door scratched and squeaked. Tell Huff to hide, she sent. The door opened. A don'ts master stepped in. The man was young, round-faced, cheeks splotchy. He closed the door, observed Nax for a moment, then turned his attention to Kyla. Highest Bunnell sent me. I'm to present you to the Hargath. Kyla's heart started to ram in her ribcage. She sent a nudge to Nax, who woke up and jumped to the floor at her feet. Did you bring me something? Kyla asked, extending her hand. From Highest Bunnell? I was not instructed to bring you anything. Come with me. He turned his back on her. The temptation to take him down... The way she'd taken down so many marks on the street pulled at her. She took two quick steps forward, but stopped at the last moment. The young don'ts had opened the door, and she saw two strong acolytes waiting in the hall. She followed the dons master. The acolytes followed her. Nax climbed to her shoulder. She heard muttering behind her, causing her to turn. She's not a domain, just an animal. A very special animal. Silence, the don'ts said. The acolytes said nothing more. Down stairways, through corridors, and then to another stairway that wound down and down and down. The way was marked by whale-oil lanterns, which surprised Kyla. Why wouldn't they use Mercus light here? But then she thought, why waste it in the bowels of the abbey when the Mercus power could be sold to radiance in Christenside? They joined an elderly man, thin of body, with jowls that drooped like a turkey's. He looked as old as Finta song. He muttered under his breath as he led the don'ts master into darkness. He carried a lantern, spindly arm held high before him. The orange light bled into the shadows, illuminating ranks of tombs. They passed alcove after alcove, each containing a stone sarcophagus. The lids were sculpted with effigies of the don'ts masters that lay dead within, the stolid faces staring into eternity with unblinking eyes. Kyla shivered and looked away. The old man abruptly stopped and turned to a plain wooden door. He held his fingers to his lips. Absolute silence. The dontsmaster stopped the man from opening the door. asked Benel instructed me to take the girl in alone. That's absurd. No stranger goes into the hagas' presence without guards. The donsmaster looked at the acolytes. He blinked several times before nodding. Very well. Proceed. The old man opened the door, stepped in. The don'ts master followed. The acolytes nudged Kyla forward. The first thing she noticed was the smell. Stale urine. And beneath that, the thick stench of darker excretions. The air was hot, filled with moisture. No decorations relieved this dark tomb. The walls were stone block, curving into a low arch overhead. Kyla had never feared small spaces. She loved them, usually. But this chamber felt tight. Heavy. As if the ceiling and walls might collapse inward at any moment. I smell death, Nax sent. The elderly servant was leaning over the bed, the only piece of furniture in the room. He had hung the lantern on a wall hook. The light cast his shadow over the bed. Whispers filled the chamber, like the secret murmurings of snakes. The old servant straightened, nodded to the round-faced donesmaster, and led him from the room. The door closed behind them. Kyla stood three paces from the bed. A corpse lay upon it. Incredibly, it lived. The movements of its chest lifted the bedsheet in slow intervals. Each inhale and exhale sent up a papery rasp from thin, cracked lips. The white sheet was drawn up to the corpse's chin. The eyes were open, exposing empty sockets. I can't feel you, the corpse said, but I can smell you. The head turned toward her, fixing its black void gaze upon her. You have learned a trick of the Mercus few know. The sunken cheeks pulled the lips tight. The corpse man's mouth gaped, and the lantern-light illumined brown teeth. This was the face she had seen in Henley's vision. This was the face of horror. This was the Hargath. She unwittingly retreated a step and bumped into an acolyte. The man shoved her forward. Kyla barely noticed, for all her attention was focused on the Hargath. That someone could survive in such a frail state... The empty eyes remained fixed on her, violating her with their naked emptiness. Highest Benel had promised that a blade would be available when she needed it. So where was it? She licked her lips, but her dry tongue couldn't moisten them. She glanced at one acolyte, then the other. Their faces were stony, eyes fixed ahead. I taste the soup on you, the haggis said but also the stink of cheapskate. Perhaps you are not, Kyla sigh. But now I smell the beloved one. I've handled many of them in my day. What color is it? Kyla wasn't about to answer this question. Her hand went to Nax's head. One of you acolytes, the old man hissed. Tell me. The one to Kyla's left cleared his throat, charcoal gray, white feet. Lovely and dangerous. Do you know why there is a bounty on these animals, girl? He didn't wait for her response. They are beloved of kill, and as such are despised by till. They are infested with the spirits of demaine. I've seen a demaine, Kyla said. Such a creature could not fit in a little cat, The hargis started to make a rasping noise. For a moment, Kyla thought he was choking. The lips spread wide, his skin tightened, showing the shape of his skull quite clearly. His lower jaw jiggled up and down. He was laughing. You are ignorant, he wheezed. Amusing, but ignorant. Acolytes, draw her arms behind her. No sooner were the words in the air than the two men had gripped Kyla by the elbows and wrists. With a jerk, they pulled her arms behind her, straining her shoulders. She gritted her teeth, refusing to let out the moan of pain that rose in her throat. Nax drove her claws into Carla's flesh, lest she be spilled to the floor. They have the strength to dislodge your shoulders. I understand it's quite painful. Drop your shield to the Marcus, or they will hurt you. And that will be but the beginning of your agonies. Kyla's mind raced. There was no weapon here. The highest had betrayed her. She had no chance of muscling away from these two acolytes. Her father's advice popped to mine. You cannot stop the tide. Swim with it. Her voice cracked. I have a queller. My ring. She does wear a ring, one of the acolytes said. Remove it, the Haga said. Thick fingers pinched the ring and yanked it from Kyla's hand. The zing of awakened Mercus senses washed over her. The reek of the room made her gag. Not just stale urine, but the rotten exhalations of the Hargath filled the air with a miasma of decay. A trickle of water sounded all around. As the room brightened to her sharpening sight, she noticed channels cut in the stone floor where water coursed. Steam wafted upward from it, forming a wispy mist that reached her knees. The Hargath voice burst into her mind. There you are. She wanted to thrust it out, but she had no concept of how to do so. She could no more keep the Hargath's greedy thoughts from fingering her brain than she could push the wind away from her. Nax hissed. Her fur stood straight out. The Hargath cackled. Bring the girl to my bedside. The acolytes lifted her, carried her three paces, then set her feet onto the floor next to the bed. One of them shoved a foot into the back of her knee, forcing her to kneel. The other man pushed the back of her head until her forehead pressed to the stinking mattress. Place my hand, the Hargath said. The meaty strength of the acolyte's hand was replaced by the featherlight touch of the Hargus. Kyla tried to cringe away, but she was held fast by the two strong men. Nax spat as she scurried from Kyla's shoulder and under the bed. A sensation, like ants crawling over her skin, erupted inside her head. The Hargath probed with his murkish senses. She squeezed her eyes shut as he combed her mind, greedily seeking purchase. Gritting her teeth, she moaned and sought a way, any way to resist. But she didn't know how. The Hargath's slithery voice came into her thoughts. Ha! I've found the bond with the beloved one. Just like the boy. He survived my explorations, and he is much weaker than you. Let's see what we can see. Pain sprouted in Kyla's head like a nail driven through one temple and straight out the opposite side. A scream ripped from her throat. Her body flailed of its own accord, futile against the strength of the acolytes. They leaned against her, using their weight to hold her in place. The hargath's hand burned on her scalp. The stabs and fires of agony suddenly withdrew and quenched. She shuddered in relief for one heartbeat. Two And then came the pain again, skewering her from temple to temple. Another pierced straight into the crown of her head, while yet another thrust up from the base of her skull near her spine toward her eyes. Each added its own infinite agony, making colors flare in her vision. Shrieks tore from her mouth, and vomit gurgled in the back of her throat. Inside, she recoiled from the torture, seeking any haven, any respite, no matter how small. She discovered that a tiny spot of calm existed within the cacophony of terror, the bond with Nax. Kyla clung to it, the way she might cling to a high ledge while her feet hung over emptiness. I'm here, Nax sent. I'm here.